Good morning, my name is Peter. I'll be sharing the word with you today, uh, reading from the book of Acts. It's the fifth of the books in the New Testament. Uh, reading from chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen here. If you're using one of the church Bibles, these blue green ones uh, from the table at the entrance, it's on page 882. Acts chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I write to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Good morning. Um, my name's Dan. I'm one of the elders here at Southside and I will be getting to uh, yeah, preach God's word for, for you all this morning. How about we start by praying together? Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time we can come and uh, around your word and hear from you this morning. We do pray that as we think about the year ahead, uh, that you would challenge us to set aside um, our own agendas and goals for the year, um, but remind us of what yours are and challenge us to live those out uh, in each day. Uh, in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. What are you looking forward to this year? What are the big things coming up this month, next month, end of the year? What are the big things that you are looking forward to? It might be the new job or a better paying job. It might be the chance to move house, move into a bigger house. Perhaps you might be getting married this year, like Ash and Lockie did yesterday. Perhaps there are milestones in your family that you'll be celebrating this year. Maybe there's a great movie sequel you're looking forward to coming out this year. For me, uh, I'm looking forward to a World Cup, a real World Cup with real competition coming up this year, of course, Football World Cup in Russia and wonderful late nights, early mornings, enjoying good competition. Maybe your expectations aren't quite so high. Maybe you're just hoping that this year will be as good as last year. Maybe you're hoping they'll be better than last year. Or perhaps you might not be looking forward to this year at all. Wherever we are on that spectrum, 
Uh, God's Word has something to say to us about how we are to live out our year and give us something to look forward to this year. We've been going through a series, God's Promises for a New Year, for a New Start, and we've been coming back to God's Word, to the promises He has made to us to see how they should help us uh, live and shape our year. And so we're coming to Acts this morning uh, to see one of those promises and read about how it's going to affect our lives. So if you want to follow along with me in the Bible or with the verses on the screen, uh, I'll start reading through some of Acts for us together. In my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. As soon as you start reading this book, as soon as you start reading Acts, you get the feeling that this is a sequel. The author, Luke, says, In my former book, Theophilus, I began to write and tell you about Jesus. So really, this book, Acts, is more of a sequel. It's not a book on its own. It's a sequel to a book that came before it. Okay, the Luke, who wrote this book, Acts, also wrote an account of Jesus' life, the gospel according to Luke. And so in order to understand what's going on here in Acts, as we start uh, yeah, looking at this passage, it's important to know what happened in Luke to start off with. Just like any movie, well, any sequel, you need to know what happened first before what comes after. I enjoyed watching the Star Wars movie that came out at the end of last year. That might not be everybody's experience here. I, for one, enjoyed it. But it's hard to understand, it would be even harder, sorry, to understand what happened in that movie if you hadn't seen episode eight. Seven, seven, that's the one we're up to. Episode seven, or even harder again if you hadn't seen four, five, and six skip the rest, but if you hadn't seen episode four, five, six, seven, you wouldn't be able to understand number eight, and that's why we're going to talk about what happens in Luke before we talk about what happens in Acts. So at the very start of Luke's gospel, he talks about Jesus and Jesus' birth, what we celebrated at Christmas, Jesus coming into the world. An angel appeared to his mother Mary and said to her, you are going to have a son and you will name him Jesus, a name that means he saves. And that's what the rest of the uh, gospel according to Luke talks about, Jesus saving people. Jesus saved men, women, children, prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, sick, blind, lepers, even people who had died. Jesus was able to save people. On the cross, when he was dying himself, he would be able to save a man who put his faith in him and save him from what he feared the most. All throughout Luke's gospel, it was this account of Jesus saving people. And that's what's going to continue when we look at the book of Acts. Now imagine, just put your yourself in the feet of the disciples. You'd just seen this man you'd known for three years. You'd seen him teach. You'd seen him heal people, raise people from the dead. You'd saw him die. Three days later, you'd see him come back from the dead. 
you've been with him the last one and a half months, surely you'd be thinking, well, what comes next? What comes next? We haven't seen anything like this before. A man dying, a man coming back to life and eating with us, talking with us. What is going to come next? So continuing on in in, uh, the book of Acts, we get to hear some of what happens next. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, for which, uh, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, as Jesus was going around saving people, he would often teach about this kingdom of God. And we heard about it at the start of our reading in Acts, this kingdom of God that Jesus was bringing. And the disciples had in their own mind what this kingdom would bring. Okay, so at this time, Israel was a nation under captivity. They were not their own autonomous nation. They were under the rule of another nation, under the rule of Romans. And it wasn't working out so well for them. They wanted their own freedom. They wanted their own power, their own autonomy. And the disciples thought, well, we've just seen a guy come back from the dead. Maybe this is exactly what he's going to do. He's going to give us the freedom that we want. He's going to give us this kingdom that we want, this freedom from this oppressor oppressor that we have. And it's going to happen now. See, for us, we may not be looking forward to a nation with autonomy. We have a lot of that here in Australia already. But we all have things like those disciples that we are looking forward to, good things, great things that we're hoping are going to happen and happen soon. Jesus challenges their question and he responds to them and says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So the disciples were waiting for their desires, their hopes for this new nation, this new freedom for themselves. They're hoping for it now. And Jesus says, no, you've got to wait. No, you've got to wait. The time is not yet right. And so maybe for the things that we long for, the things that we're looking forward to this year, maybe Jesus won't deliver on those. Maybe God won't deliver on those. Maybe we've actually got them wrong in the first place. Maybe we're saying, actually, maybe... Jesus, we actually want him to give us the things we want now and not have to wait at all. But what he does say, well, what happens in this story is that as he goes up before his disciples' eyes, these two men, they're probably angels. They're very smart people who know what's going on, probably angels. 
say to these disciples that what is going to happen is Jesus will come back. And this kingdom that Jesus was talking about, that will come when he returns. That will be the marker. That will be the time when the kingdom of God comes back. So imagine again, getting into their shoes, that they saw this event. This friend, they'd seen him for one and a half months, die, come back to life, gone up to heaven. Well, then what? He's going to come back. We've been told that. We've been promised that. What do we do now? And slowly, they might have thought, maybe he'll come back next week. A week passes. Maybe next month. A month passes. And slowly, year follows year, decade follows decade, and still, no Jesus, no return, no kingdom. What should they do? What do they do? What's going to happen when Jesus does return? When is it going to be? Why is he taking so long? And what should we do while we wait? Those were questions the disciples were uh, thinking through and trying to determine what do we do while we wait. And so one of the men who was there, one of the disciples, Peter, would write a letter. He'd write a couple of letters, but he'd write a letter that, that we now call to Peter. And he's looking to answer some of those questions What's going to happen when Jesus finally comes back? What is this kingdom going to look like? It's going to answer the question, what's taking so long? And he's also going to answer the question of what do we do while we wait? So if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to read through some parts of 2 Peter, some of that letter. It'll appear on the screen as well, so you can read through there too. Um, So 2 Peter chapter 3, just starting at verse 3. as Peter writes, Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water, By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word that present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter tells us something about this day, this day that people around him are saying, it's not going to happen, and he's been taking ages already. It's not going to happen. Peter says, no, 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 it's still going to happen. And it won't necessarily be the best day for everyone. uh, Peter tells us that there will be a day of judgment similar to the day of judgment going back to the flood, the flood of Noah. Now this day of judgment, this big event, is the big thing that Jesus came to save us from. This day, this day of judgment is the big thing 
that Jesus came to save us from. See, and it's from what the Bible calls sin. Sin in us is a rejection of God as the rightful ruler of our lives. The God who created us, who created this world. The God who sustains us and sustains our world. Sin is the rejection of God as the rightful authority for what he has done for us, creating us, sustaining us in love, and instead putting in the desires for ourselves or the desires for things that God gives us. The desires that we have that serve us, the desires that we have that serve our own interests. That's what the Bible calls sin. And that is the big thing that Jesus came to save us from. It's because of those things, because of that rejection of God, that we stand under his rightful judgment. Ignoring the God who created absolutely everything means that we stand under his judgment. And so on the cross, when Jesus came to earth, he died to take our place, to take that punishment that we deserved and give us life as a result. So on that day, that's one of the things that will be happening, but on that day, Jesus will also be making things right. We sang it this morning. Jesus seated now in heaven at God's right hand, who has freed us from our sins, And he's coming back again. He's coming again, back again, and all things will be made right when he appears. For if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you've trusted in his sacrifice for us, in taking that debt and accepting his offer of forgiveness, that is the kingdom that God is ushering in when Jesus returns. Not a kingdom of our own wants necessarily, not the things that we may be looking forward to this year, but a kingdom where we get to be at peace with God, at peace with each other, without sin, in heaven forever. That is what Jesus came to save us from. That is the big thing he came to save us from and bring about when he returns. This isn't a kingdom about what we want, about our money, about our new house, about our new job, about the stuff we get, this is, when Jesus returns, this will be his kingdom. A kingdom that he welcomes us into. We put our faith in him and fellowship with him and each other. So that's what's going to happen when Jesus returns, on that day when he returns. But the next question that follows is, well, what's taking so long? At one point, the disciples would have been thinking, maybe it'll be soon. But 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. Why is it taking so long? What is happening to make it take so long? So let's pick it up again in 2 Peter 3, going from verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
Jesus is not waiting to return so that we can achieve our goals. Jesus is not returning so we can get our new job, get our new house. Jesus isn't waiting to return for us to get our things. Jesus is waiting to return so he can save more people. Jesus is waiting to return so that he can continue the work he started right back in Luke with saving people again and again and again through Acts, through the last 2,000 years. We have another year so that God can continue to save people. Not for what we want necessarily, not for our goals, but for his agenda, seeing more people saved seeing more people hope for his return and enjoy that fellowship and the new kingdom he is going to bring in when he returns. So how does that affect then how we approach a new year, how we live out uh, that truth in this time? I think there are three options for how we respond to this. Three options for how we can live our lives knowing that Jesus will return and that is waiting so that he can save more and more people. We could continue just living life the way we want, seeking to serve our own kingdoms and our own desires and wants. We could give up and think it's all going to be meaningless anyway when, before he returns, so why bother? Or we could do something. We could do something knowing the certainty of God's return, and instead of giving up, instead of make, continuing with our own agenda, we can follow God's agenda instead. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus yet, it's great that you're here. We love having you here. But we want to encourage you to come and find out more about Jesus so that you can put your trust in him and be a part of this kingdom that he is going to bring when he returns. Okay. Have a look at the flyer in your handout. Go to the website. Sign up to Christianity Explored. It would be great to have you there on February 11th. If you have any questions about it, come and see me. Come and see Ben. Ask someone at the information desk. We would love to answer your questions about what it means to follow Jesus and put your trust in him. And answer any other questions that you have. We'd love to do that for you. If you're here and you already follow Jesus, there's something for us to be doing as well. We skimmed over it in Acts when we read it the first time. But in Acts chapter 1, and verse 7 and 8, uh, Jesus tells us exactly what we do while we wait. So in Acts 7, he says to us, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay. While we wait, we do the same things that the disciples did. Be witnesses for Jesus. Share this great news, this news of forgiveness, this news of hope, this news of a new home where sin and death and destruction will be gone and fellowship with God, with each other, without sin, will be happening. So, what might that look like? What can we do? What can we do as individuals? What can we do as a congregation 
to be that witness. Firstly, it might mean that this year we need to be intentional with how we spend time with our non-Christian friends and family. If we have a new job or the same job, it might mean getting to know the interests and the passions of the people we work with and taking opportunities as we see them to tell them about why we believe what we believe. If we're moving house or staying in the same house, there are people in our neighborhood who we can spend time with and share the good news of Jesus with, invite them to church, whatever it might be. There are people there we can spend time with. If we're getting married this year, if we're celebrating events in our family this year, those are opportunities where we can show the love of God in those relationships to the people we know. So firstly, what can we do as witnesses powered by the Spirit as we wait for Jesus? Be intentional spending time with the people we know who don't trust Jesus yet. Colleagues, neighbors, family, friends, whoever, but spending time with them so that we can have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Second thing we can do is we can pray for them. In Acts, Jesus told his disciples, you need to wait, wait for the Spirit, the Spirit of God who is at work and doing the real saving in this situation. We need to pray for him to be at work in the people we know and in us as well so that we can share the good news about Jesus in a way they understand and that they can accept and turn and follow him. So be intentional with the people we know. Pray for them. And thirdly, invite them to church. Or as we heard this morning, invite them along to the Christianity Explored course. Don't just invite them along, but go with them. Journey with them. Answer questions during the week. Do it together, on mission together. Okay. So we have a new year, not just so we can stay comfortable. We don't have a new year so that we can just tick things off our to-do list, so we can accomplish the things that we necessarily want to. But we have been given a new year so that God can save more people and that so we can be a part of seeing more people saved. Would you pray with, with me that we could do that this year? Gracious God, we do thank you for who you are and for what you have done for us in Jesus. That on the cross, he bore the full weight of the punishment we all deserve for our sins and has made, forgiven us and brought us back into relationship with you. We thank you for the promise of his return that one day, things will be made right when he appears and that we can enjoy uh, fellowship with you, community with each other without the effects of sin and death uh, for eternity with you. Father, we do pray that that would encourage us to spend this year not serving our own agendas but serving yours, making the name of Jesus known in our uh, places of work, in our relationships, wherever it might be. We do pray, Lord, that you would be at work in us and reminding us um, that we do have this year to serve you and to see the people that we love and know um, yeah, meet you and that you would be at work in their lives even now to make that happen. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.